Welcome to the Money Love Podcast. I'm your host and money coach, Paige Pritchard. If you're ready to uplevel your results in relationship with money, you're in the right place. Each week, I give you the tools to transform your mindset, manage your emotions, and achieve results with your money you never dreamed were possible. Hi, love. Welcome to episode 127 of the Money Love Podcast. I want to talk to you today about a concept that I am deeming identity imprisonment. This is a term that I literally just made up, (laughs) but you guys know I love the alliteration because I think it just makes it easy to remember these concepts. But we're going to be talking about identity imprisonment today, which is something that is so incredibly important. And I really sincerely hope that you take to heart this topic and you really give some thought to, am I being imprisoned by the identities that I currently hold of myself? So when I say identity imprisonment, this is what I mean. Oftentimes, we have things about ourselves that seem cemented in our DNA. They seem like they are things that are unchangeable about our personality. We tend to think of them as this is just who I am. This is just the way that I am. We see these things as impossible to change, impossible to move, to bend, to grow from, to evolve from. We're like, this is just who I am. The problem is that these tend to be the things that most often really hold us back from being able to take the actions that we want to take to create the results that we want. I'm going to give you some examples in a second of really common ones that either A, I hold about myself or B, that I hear most often from you guys. And when I'm going through these, I really want you to give some thought to, okay, well, for me personally, what are the things that I view as the unchangeable characteristics of myself? And how does that view of myself impact my ability for personal growth to get the things that I want? And here's why I'm calling this identity imprisonment, because I think when we look at our identity in this way, when we look at it as this unmovable, unchangeable thing, meaning this is who I am currently, it's who I've always been, and it's also who I always will be. I'm going to talk about why our brains do that, but It's actually not a very helpful mindset to have because when we look at it that way, then there's simply no way out. There's no way that we are ever getting out of this box that we have put ourselves in. I truly believe that the two words, I am, are the most powerful words in our language that we have at our disposal. Because these two words, I am, are creating your entire life. These two words are either going to empower you or disempower you. They're going to liberate you or imprison you. They're going to be the ticket to getting the results that you want or the roadblock to getting the things that you want most. Here are some common identities 
that again, I see with myself and I see with you guys. I think we're all lumped up into this. I'm talking to myself as well. But I think that these are identities that I hear a lot that are really holding a lot of us back. But again, we just view as these cemented parts of us. I am an awkward person. I am bad with money. I am undisciplined. I am lazy. I am not very smart. I am disorganized. I am confused. I am overwhelmed. I am not good enough. I am not worthy. So as I say those, do any of those ring true with you? Like when I said that, you were like, yep, yep, I definitely hold that identity for myself. Now, before we kind of jump into this topic a little bit deeper, I do want to kind of talk about, okay, why do our brains do this? Like why is our identity something that our brain latches on so deeply to? And it really just boils back to the way that our brains are wired and designed to work. But when we're talking about these identities that imprison us, I want to really kind of break down before we go a little deeper of why this is, right? Like, why am I saying that we are imprisoned by these identities? And if you've listened to the podcast for a while, you probably already know the answer to this question, right? But I also think it's important just to revisit this and constantly just be reminding ourselves of, okay, This is how my brain is designed. This is how it's wired to work. And this is why the identities that I hold about myself are so important. And like I said, they're either going to empower me or disempower me. They're going to liberate me or imprison me. Here's why that is. It simply all just boils down to because of the way that the human brain is designed to work. The human brain is designed to live into and reinforce whatever identity you currently hold about yourself. Whatever identities you have, it will create. And the kicker is even if it's an identity that you don't like or it's an identity that's negative or doesn't serve you, like an identity of I'm bad with money, I'm undisciplined, I'm lazy, I'm disorganized. What your brain cares most about is creating certainty because your brain is always working in the context of survival, right? And so what's really helpful for survival is certainty because certainty creates safety. So when we think about it that way, we can understand that your brain just wants to be right about things, even if it's something that's not very helpful to you. So again, If you hold an identity as someone who is bad with money, the crazy thing is, is that your brain actually wants you to be bad with money. Because when you believe that you're bad with money, and then you actually are bad with money, even though it doesn't feel good, and even though you're not reaching your full financial potential and you're not creating the financial results that you want, again, your brain doesn't care about that. Your brain simply just cares about, okay, we're right about this. And even though I don't want to be bad with money, I am right about the fact that I'm bad with money. And being right about something feels certain and feels safe. I know it. I can trust it. I can expect it moving forward, which will help me stay alive in that context. The other kicker about this is that you can be taking the right actions all day long, but 
when we have these identities that feel so ingrained and so cemented in us and that have been reinforced over and over and over, it doesn't even matter if we're taking the right actions because your identity will sabotage you every step of the way. I've said this before in previous episodes, and I'll just keep saying it again and again, but the truth is, is that you will never be able to up-level or rise above your current identity, rise above the self-concept that you choose for yourself. You know, there's that like analogy of like the crabs trying to get out of the boiling pot, right? And I want you to think of the crab that's like trying to get out of the pot. And then I want you to think of your identity or your self-concept as all of the other crabs that are trying to pull you back down, back into the boiling pot of water. And so then none of you get out. You can't escape the pot. You can't rise above it because your identity will just continue to self-sabotage that because of the way that our human brains are wired to work. Your brain is just going to live into it. It's going to continue to take actions that align with that identity, and then you will continue to create results that align with that identity. So that is why this topic is so, so important. Like this could truly be one of the most important podcast episodes that I've ever put out on the podcast. Because again, those two words, whatever rings true for you, I am, whatever comes after that for you will create your entire lived experience. So I want to talk about two ways that this actually happens, two ways that your identity imprisons you. The first is kind of what we've been previously talking about. It's the most obvious. But the first way that your identity will imprison you is that your identities, your negative identities, the identities that aren't helping you and aren't serving you, it will keep you trapped, creating results that you don't want or that don't align with the life that you want to live because of what we talked about previously. You will opt yourself out of certain things that you simply believe in your heart of hearts can't be yours simply because of the excuse of like, well, that's just who I am, quote unquote, when really it's just a construct that you are choosing to stay stuck in. So This is an example that I'm going to be giving a lot for myself today, because if you listened to the episode that I put out last week, and even if you didn't, it's okay, I'll give you a quick recap. But I was talking about how one of my primary goals this year in 2024 is to form a new friendship or maybe even a couple friendships, really work on that area of my life of putting myself out there, making new friends, forming deep and meaningful friendships. When I was going through this and really evaluating this, one of the identities that I realized that I have had for most of my life that, again, sometimes if I'm just letting my brain kind of run wild and run amok, my brain wants to kind of tell me like, no, this is actually like a fact of the world that this is true about you. But I really have to slow myself down and remind myself, actually, no, this is just something that I'm choosing to subscribe to. I'm opting into this identity of myself. But it's this identity that I'm an awkward person, that I'm hard to talk to, that I'm not interesting, that I'm not a good friend, that people don't want to be my friend. That's an identity that I've really uncovered is something that I've carried with me for a lot of my life. And my brain feels like it has a lot of past evidence to point to and be like, but here's all the reasons why, right? 
So when I'm saying I will opt myself out of opportunities and of circumstances and of invitations to actually put myself out there to form meaningful friendships because I'm just like, no, but you don't understand. This is just who I am. So in my brain, I'll be like, I can't have meaningful friendships because I'm awkward, I'm hard to talk to, and I'm not a good friend. There can be a lot of other variations of this. Maybe for you, you are opting yourself out of building wealth. You're telling yourself, I can't build wealth because I'm disorganized, I'm undisciplined, and I'm bad with money. Maybe you are opting yourself out of finding your life partner, finding the love of your life, being in a relationship. You're telling yourself, I can't find the love of my life because I'm not desirable, I'm unlovable, and I'm unworthy. So like I said, that's the first way that our identity will imprison us is that it will hold us back from getting the things that we want. And we will purposefully opt ourselves out of exploring opportunities that actually are available to us. We just don't allow ourselves to pursue those opportunities again, because we kind of get in the mindset of like, well, what's the point? Why try? Like, why try making a friend? Like, no one's going to want to be my friend because of how awkward I am and how hard I am to talk to and how, you know, uninteresting I am, all these identities that I hold about myself. So that's the first way that your identity will always imprison you. The second way, and this is kind of one way that's a little sneakier, a little trickier, something that you might not even realize it when it's happening, but it definitely happens. And in fact, I have experienced this before and I'll kind of give an example for me. But the second way is that anything that challenges a current identity that you have will feel actually very threatening to you. Because again, your brain just wants to constantly surround yourself with things and people and ideas and constructs and beliefs that are always just going to confirm the things that you already believe to be true. Because the other part of your brain is not only does it want to ensure your survival, but it also wants to be efficient. That's part of ensuring its survival is being efficient. And when it can make sure that you're constantly surrounded by things that are going to confirm the things that you already believe to be true, that's very easy. It's very efficient. It doesn't require a lot of mental or emotional energy. So when you are exposed to things, when you experience something in your life, when circumstances change in a way that threatens a current identity that you have, it's going to feel very scary, very threatening, and it's going to be very painful and create tons of resistance for you. So the example that I personally have for me, and if you listened to the episode that I put out when I came back from postpartum and I was kind of talking about my postpartum experience, was that actually the hardest part of postpartum for me was just how it completely wrecked a huge part of my identity that I had held for a really long time. I talked about in that episode how one part of my identity that actually had been very helpful to me and had served me well in a lot of ways up until that part of my life was that I'm very productive, I'm very organized, I'm very on top of it. I can get through a lot of things in a very short amount of time, kind of like that type A productive identity that I had held. And when I was postpartum and, you know, things were changing with circumstances, with body, with hormones, with time, with sleep habits, all of that sort of thing, 
I was not living into that identity. And because I was not living into that identity, there was this huge dissonance that was created between what I had always believed to be true about myself and what was actually happening in real life. And for me personally, that was really, really hard. It was very painful. And in a sense, it felt very threatening to me because it just made me question everything. Like, oh my gosh, well, is this just not who I am? Is this going to be this new version of me? Again, there was just this dissonance between what I had always believed to be true about myself and what was actually happening in real life. And so although it was an identity that had served me well in a lot of ways, when I was going through a life experience that threatened that, it really rocked my world and it was quite painful to go through. And so that's just one example for me, but it's like for you, can you think of an example where you've gone through a lived experience where you have kind of felt that reckoning of, okay, this change in circumstance or this thing that has happened to me is really, really challenging and pushing against this identity that I've always held of myself. And it's creating a lot of negative emotion. I feel scared. I feel threatened. I feel thrown off. I don't feel like myself. It kind of feels like this life reckoning that I'm having to deal with. And I found like for me, what happened is I very much did feel imprisoned in that situation because I didn't really know what to do. I didn't know how to move forward. It kind of froze me and kept me really stuck for several months for a long, long time. And again, if you want to kind of go and hear me talk more about that, you can just go to the episode that I put out about a year ago at the start of 2023 about my postpartum experience. I talk about it there. But that's like a clear example in my life of this second way of how your identity can imprison you. So where I want to kind of get us unstuck here, because of course, we're going to talk about that. And I'm going to give you the steps to do that. We're not just going to talk about, okay, you can be imprisoned by your identity. I want this episode to also be about, well, how do I actually get myself unstuck? So the first place I want you to start here is I think you have to bring awareness to what are the identities that I hold about myself and actually start viewing them as identities and not just facts of the world. One exercise that you can do that can be kind of helpful here is to just get out a piece of paper. You can start here and just at the top of the piece of paper, write, I am dot, 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 and just see what comes out for you. I am what? And I think two things will kind of come out. And on your piece of paper, you can even write positive parts of my identity or things that I deem to be positive parts of my identity and maybe not so positive parts of my identity. You can have, you know, on one side of paper, the good things. I am kind. I am productive. I am intuitive. I am empathetic, whatever that is for you. And then on the other side of the paper, I want you to kind of write down, okay, what are the other parts of my identity that I feel like are true about me that maybe don't feel so good, that I can clearly see aren't serving me? I am awkward. I am bad with money. I am undisciplined. I am short-tempered. I am impatient. I am unfashionable. What are those things? Now, I want to say this. I don't think that you're going to get all of them just from sitting down and thinking about this. And I think that this is going to be an exercise that I want you to actually do over a period of time because I think you are going to get some things on that piece of paper. But I also think that just going through life and paying attention to, okay, as I'm going through and living life, what are the identities that my brain is offering to me over and over and over 
throughout my lived experience. And here are some things that will make it easy to kind of pinpoint what those things are. One, what are the things that you say to yourself over and over? Even things like, gosh, I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so confused. I'm so exhausted. I'm so tired. I'm not saying that those things can't be true sometimes, like they can't feel like your lived experience. But I also think for certain things, they just become a habit. They just become things that we just say over and over and over to ourselves because they're more of a habit than our actual lived experience. So what are the things that I'm often saying to myself? What are the things that I'm often saying about myself to other people? What tends to come up in conversation a lot? And also, what are the reasons for me not doing the things that I want to do? We can even call these excuses if we want to, right? Like, what are the excuses that I keep giving myself for not doing the things that I want to do? Because that one's really telling. Because I feel like when you think about all the things that I want to do or that I want to accomplish, I feel like your reasons are either going to fall in one of two camps. They're either going to fall in the circumstance camp of my circumstances, things in my external world just not being right and not being what I need them to be in order to accomplish this result, or you will find that your reasons and excuses fall into the identity camp of saying, I don't have what I need. I'm not the person that I need to be in order to create those results. So after you've done this, you know, you've taken some time to consciously think about it, maybe jot them down, do a brain dump on a piece of paper, and you've also just started to pay attention in your life experience of what these things are. I want you to actually ask yourself, okay, what identities do I like and which ones are helping me and serving me get the results that I want and which ones are not? Which identities are liberating me and empowering me and which identities are imprisoning me and keeping me stuck? And the way that you can really tell is which identities align with the results that I want to create in my life and align with the life that I want to live? Which identities are in alignment and which identities are a complete contradiction to what I'm declaring that I want? So, Example for me is if I'm out here saying that I have a desire to form deep and meaningful friendships, it becomes very easy and obvious of me to say, okay, well, then my identity of being an awkward person, my identity of being hard to connect to, of being hard to talk to, of not being interesting, of being a bad friend, those identities are in complete contradiction to what I know will be required of me to actually form meaningful friendships and be a good friend to somebody. So it becomes very obvious to me of like, okay, well, I'm saying that I want this over here, but then I have all these identities that are working in complete contradiction of that. They're keeping me from creating that result when I can clearly see that when I choose to buy into that and believe that, my brain will just create that. Those are the results that I will create. Maybe you have a desire to build wealth, to be good with money, to pay off debt, to get your net worth to a certain point. But if you are clinging to the identities of I'm undisciplined, I'm bad with money, I'm bad at math, I'm unorganized, I'm not a money person, I'm not a math person, all of those things are identity. It just becomes like very obvious and clear to you of like, okay, it's so clear to me that this is working in contradiction of the things that I want. 
And so I feel like once you kind of have those two camps, you've dug out all of the identities that you hold of yourself and you've put them into one of those two camps of these are my liberating identities and these are the identities that are keeping me stuck. We can then move on to kind of the next step, which is, okay, let's work to foster the identities that are liberating to me and let's work to eradicate the identities that are imprisoning me. And in order to do that, I think that there's really kind of like three shifts that I've identified that are most helpful to me in order to do that. Because I really think in order to do this, we have to start looking at our identities in a new way, in a new light. We have to shift how we view them. And I want to go through those three with you. So here's the first one is you have to start looking at your identities good or bad. I think this one is important, okay, to view all identities in this way, identities that help you and identities that hurt you. You have to start looking at them as this is not who I am. This is a tool that I get to use. My identity is not something that is cemented in me. It is something in my tool belt that I have the conscious choice to pull out and use. I actually think that one of the most detrimental things that we can do is conflate our identities with who we actually are. I think that that's how we become imprisoned by them is when we say, this is who I am. Because when you say that, it's like, it's who I am. It's not going to change ever. It's just what's in the cards for me. It will always be this way. And no growth or change or involvement will ever come from a mindset like that. So instead, what I want you to do is I want you to start viewing your identities as, oh, this is just a tool that I can use. And you are the one that is in control over, am I going to choose to use this identity as a tool? And if so, which identities do I want to use? See, the thing is, is that we become so attached to our identities. We almost use our identities kind of as like security blankets because of all the things that we've talked about, right? Like how your brain wants to be right about things. And so because of that, it wants to be attached to the identities that you have because when it's attached to the identities and the more truthful and factual your brain can make that identity seem, the safer it will feel. And honestly, when you look at it this way, it makes a lot of sense, right? Like when your brain can really attach to identities that don't help you and don't serve you, like the identity of I'm bad with money, and you buy into that identity and you just tell yourself, well, this is just who I am, how I've always been, how I always will be, you will never venture out of the cave to try to grow and evolve and get better. And all growth and change and involvement is going to be uncomfortable to your brain because it means you're stepping out of the cave, you're doing things you've never done before, you are facing uncertainty, and it's uncomfortable. It's the exact opposite of what your brain wants you to do. My brain actually doesn't want me to make deep and meaningful friendships because it knows the process of doing that is going to require me to step out of the cave and it's going to be uncomfortable And it's going to require me exposing myself and putting myself out there. That is why your brain becomes so attached to these identities because it's your brain's way of trying to keep you safe. So a way that your brain tries to get you to do that is it just tries to convince you that these things are cemented in stone, that they cannot be changed. Because when you believe they cannot be changed and when you believe this is who I am, you will never venture out of that cave to try to change them. So instead, what we have to do is we have to start to say, oh, this isn't just who I am. 
It's a tool that I get to use. That's the first shift that I want you to make. The second shift that I want you to make is to realize that your identity is chosen by you and you can choose any identity that you want. You really, really can. I think that a lot of us start to think like, well, I have to choose an identity that aligns with my past, that aligns with all of the evidence that my brain has. But here's the thing, y'all, like you don't. You actually don't have to. Now, listen, is it easier? Is it more efficient to align your identity with past evidence and past results that you've created? Like, let's not kid ourselves. Yes, of course it is. But you don't have to if you don't want to. It is more work. It is harder and more challenging to align your identity with something that you don't have as much evidence for, but it is an option to you. You can do it if you want to. Any identity is available to you at any point in time. Your identity is fluid. It is not fixed. I want you to kind of start looking at your identity like the clothes that you choose to wear, the outfits that you choose to wear. Clothes are something that you choose to put on and off your body. And of course, all of us kind of have like a certain style or a certain aesthetic, certain things we like and certain things we don't. But when we're putting on an outfit, we all understand like, I am not the clothes. I am the one who chooses the clothes. And when I take the clothes off, I am still me. Your identity can be the same way. You can view it in that same way. You can view it as something that you can choose. Like I get to wake up every day and choose the clothes that I'm going to put on my body. And I can also understand that I can take it on and off just like I would an outfit. And when you view it that way, you can really start to explore, like, how can I have fun with trying out new identities and experimenting with them just how I might experiment with new outfits. And again, sticking with this analogy, I think that we don't have to go crazy here, right? But I think that we can still experiment with things where it's like, this feels like I'm pushing the limit and pushing the boundaries a little bit, but it's something that I want to try and it's something that I want to experiment with. And when you think about it that way, it's kind of like, why not? Like, why not just try it on? Why not just have fun with it and experiment with it? So for me, I kind of was thinking about like, what would be the harm in me going to lunch with a friend or me going to a social gathering or like me going to a baby shower or a wedding shower or whatever, where I know there's going to be a lot of people and I know I'm going to have to talk to people and I know I'm going to have to make small talk. In the past, what I would do is like going into those, I would constantly be thinking about and reinforcing my identity. Oh my God, this is going to be awful. It's going to be so awkward. No one's going to want to talk to me. I'm going to have to make small talk. This is going to suck. This is going to be terrible. And so of course, when I would go to the events or go to the lunches or whatever it was, that is the exact experience that I would end up creating for myself. Because remember, your brain is always just going to look for what it believes to be true. So when I would go into those events, that's exactly what I would find. I would struggle to talk to people. I wouldn't initiate conversation. I would just kind of like stand in the corner and kind of hope no one would talk to me. And then I would leave the event as soon as I possibly could. And as soon as I deemed that it was like socially acceptable to leave. And then I would leave. And then the whole time on my way home, I would just think about, oh my God, how awkward I was, right? And how awful it was. So I went in thinking that it was going to be a certain way. And of course it was a certain way because I created that because of the identity that I went into the events with. Okay. Now I'm going through this because part of me kind of came to the realization like, well, 
what if I just went into the event and just had fun with the identity that I wanted to hold during this event or during this interaction? What if instead I just decided because I could and because it's available to me and an option to me that I'm just going to go into the event holding the identity of I am the most interesting person in the room. Everybody wants to talk to me. Everybody wants to get to know me. People are fascinated by me. I am easy to talk to. People are drawn to me. People walk away from interactions with me feeling energized and uplifted. Like, what is the harm in me simply just holding that identity about myself? And so I've been trying it lately, and I can tell you that it just completely changes the experience of the interaction. Instead of creating interactions that are awkward and short-lived because I cut them short and I run away, I'm now creating interactions with other people that, again, are energizing, uplifting, and are great exchanges between two human beings, which then will lead to the result that I want to create of people being like, hey, I like you. I want to have more interactions with you. Like, let's exchange numbers. Let's go get coffee. Let's go to lunch. Like, let's do this again. So all this to say, I'm giving you that example because whatever it is for you, why not just hold the identity that you're disciplined? Why not just hold the identity that you're organized? Why not just hold the identity that you know what to do, that you're a smart, capable person, that you're good with money, that you're capable of building wealth? Like, why not just hold that identity? There's literally no harm in it. And if creating more abundant financial results is something that you want, you actually hold a much better chance of doing it, of holding an identity that's in alignment with that than holding an identity that's not in alignment with those things. An example of this that I think is really interesting is Beyonce. A lot of you guys probably know this, but Beyonce kind of holds like this alter ego. Sasha Fierce is her alter ego because I guess in real life, Beyonce is actually like she's pretty introverted and pretty timid or pretty shy. At least she sees herself in that light, right? Like when she's not performing and she's not on stage. So what she's done is she's created this alter ego, so to speak, that she refers to as Sasha Fierce. And so it's kind of like her effort to separate her shy personality from her stage persona and to kind of give her the courage to be confident and carefree while she's performing. So using kind of like an alter ego is another really cool tool that you could use, right? So it's kind of like, okay, well, I'm going to step into my alter ego and my alter ego's personality or identity is this. So even if you have to do something similar, but I'm saying just like have fun with it, try other things out. There's literally no harm in it. Okay. So that's the second shift that I want you to make is knowing I can choose my identities. I can choose any identity that I want. It's fluid, not fixed, and I can have fun with it. There's just no harm in not having fun with this. The third shift that I want you to make is understanding that the current identities that you are trying to shed and leave behind. So this one really goes for the identities that you know are not serving you and helping you is just to simply view them as a habit. A habit that you have gotten into the routine of believing and reinforcing. And I want you to look at it like these identities is simply just an urge that I feel. It's just an urge that I feel to default to a belief that I've had for a really, really long time. When I think about identities that I'm trying to shed in this way, kind of like an identity urge, right? 
what this does for me is it allows me to consider the idea that there are pieces of my identity that I identify with. But instead of them being a prison that I'm locked inside, instead of them being this unmovable and unchangeable aspect of my life, it's simply just an urge that I keep giving into. An urge that is no different than the urges that I feel to eat sugar, to drink wine, to pick up my phone and scroll on social media. It's just an identity urge. It's an urge that I feel because this is a habit that I have formed. And anytime that you have formed a habit, you're always going to feel an urge to indulge in that habit, to repeat the habit. That's what your brain wants you to do. It just wants you to do what it knows. It wants you to repeat the things that you've always done. It wants to just do the same things over and over. And it's no different than your identity. You have parts of your identity that have simply just become a habit and you will feel an urge to engage in those habits because thoughts can be habits. Beliefs can be habits. Identities can be habits. And so we will feel urges to indulge in those habits. So your brain will often offer you these intense urges simply just to repeat something about yourself and to reinforce who you believe you are instead of who you actually want to be. So what's been so powerful for me is that when I can simply just see these old identities as an urge, as a habit, and nothing else, I can see it as, oh, this is just an urge. It's an uncomfortable emotion that I simply just need to sit with versus viewing it as this limiting prison that I can never get out of because it's this unfixable, unmovable thing of just being who I am. So it really becomes this difference of, oh, this is just an uncomfortable emotion that I need to sit with versus this is something about me that cannot be changed. You just have to work through the urge like you would work through any other urge that you feel. And if you actually want to go listen to the podcast episode that I've done, I didn't look it up before I started recording. I should have. I believe it's episode like 55, but it's called The Urge to Splurge. And this is one of the primary tools that I teach you inside the membership, inside the overcoming overspending process, is the process of allowing an urge. But you can also use this process to process identity urges. The more that you practice and allow and be patient with the urges that you feel to indulge in old identities, the less powerful they will become to you. But when we are trying to shed an old identity and when we are trying to work through these identity urges, I just want you to keep coming back to a couple of things that I find helpful. Number one is just to be vigilant about not speaking into it. Do not allow your brain to indulge in it. So I have just come to the decision other than me just like talking about it with you guys and just using it as examples and coaching and teaching. But I have just decided that I am not going to allow myself to speak in to this identity of being an awkward person and being somebody who, you know, nobody wants to be friends with and nobody wants to talk to. Like, I'm just not speaking into that anymore. I am being vigilant about, listen, my brain might go there, but I'm not going to take it a step further and speak into that, like to make the conscious choice to speak into that. The second thing is when you are given evidence to support the old identity that you want to shed, 
you really have two choices in that moment, okay? Choice number one, which I feel like is the choice that 99% of the time people default to, is they go, oh, great. See, I knew it. I knew it. This always happens. I knew I wasn't going to be able to change this. I knew this wasn't going to work for me. I knew that this was just who I am. I can't do this. So for instance, with the identity that you're bad with money, something happens. You miss a payment. You overspend. You make an impulse purchase. You have an overdraft fee or a late fee. In that moment, you have two choices. You have the choice to go see, I knew it, which is going to be your brain's default. Again, because your brain just wants to keep living into that old identity. But you have to stop your brain when it's doing that. You have to say, brain, like, we're done with this. Like, it's okay. Although I'm trying to form this new identity, it doesn't mean that every single result that I'm going to create, every action that I take, every piece of evidence is going to point towards this new identity. We are still going to have things that point to this old identity, and that's okay. It doesn't mean that I'm still stuck there and imprisoned by it. So you have choice number one of going, great, see, I knew it. This always happens. Ma, 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 ma. Or you can view it differently and you can say, okay, this is an opportunity for me to see things differently. What else is true here? What else is available to me in this moment? Yes, this is an opportunity for me to give into the urge for the old identity. But instead of giving into the urge of the old identity, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to allow the urge to process the uncomfortable emotion of the urge to give into the old identity. I'm going to be patient with the urge and I'm not going to give in to the urge of going back to the old identity that I no longer want to carry with me. That is also an option that is available to you, which if you can't tell is the option that I want you to take, right? Instead of just throwing your hands in the air that I feel like we do so often, see, I knew it. See, I knew I was an awkward person. See, I knew I was hard to talk to. That does nothing for you. You just say, listen, my brain wants to use this as an opportunity to indulge in the old identity. I'm not going to allow it. I'm going to use this as an opportunity to process and be patient with the identity urge. So when you are given those choices, be really vigilant about which choice you're going to choose. And the third thing that I think is really helpful with these identity urges is to really work on directing your attention to the things that support the new identity. Because the more that you can do that, the more that you can direct your attention to the things that support the new identity and giving less attention to the things that support the old identity, the easier it will become to kind of like shift into the new identity the more the urges for the old identity will dissipate. They won't feel so strong and enticing to go back to and to indulge in. So constantly be looking for evidence of how am I really good with money? How am I a money person? How am I meant for financial abundance? Looking for evidence of that instead of directing your attention to, well, see, look at all these things that I did. Look at this overdraft fee and look how I overspent and look at this and look at that. It's like, just stop. It's not helpful to do that. You have to consciously direct your attention to what is going well, what am I doing right, and be looking for those things that support the new empowering identity. So let's recap super quick. All right. How you become unimprisoned by your identity. One, you realize that your identity is not who you are. You actually become unattached 
to the identity and you simply start to view it as this is a tool that I get to use. And by viewing it as a tool, I understand that I get to choose my identity. And any identity is available to me. I can have fun with it. It is fluid. It is not fixed. I can choose the identities that are going to get me closer to the results that I want and closer to the life that I want to live. And I can understand that the old identities that I'm trying to shed are simply just a habit. It's a reinforced habit that I'm going to feel the urge to give into. But instead of viewing it as this fixed prison, I simply have to just view it as an uncomfortable emotion that I need to sit with and be with, be patient with, and practice. And the more I do that, the less urgent and important the urge will feel to me. All right, y'all. Identity imprisonment. This was definitely a longer episode, but there was just so much to cover here, so much to unpack here. And like I said, this might be one that you have to listen to several times, maybe come back and take some notes on it. But I really, really want you to give some serious thought to what we've covered today. Really think about, okay, what are these identities that are keeping me stuck and that are imprisoning me? And how can I shift into new ones that are going to liberate me and empower me and get me the results that I want? Do the exercises that I've walked you through here. And again, if you want help and support doing that, if you want a community to do it in, and if you want to dive even deeper so that you can start applying these things to your life, come join us inside the Overcoming Overspending membership. This is a huge, huge part of the process. It's something that we really, really work on on a deep level is your identity and your self-concept. It's the best place to do this work. Remember, you can always get $30 off your first month. If you go to overcomingoverspending.com, you just enter the code MLP30 at checkout. I invite you to come join us to do this work here. All right. I love you so deeply. Thank you for being here for this week's episode, and I will see you next week. Love y'all. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Money Love Podcast. If you're loving the podcast, then I want to invite you to join me in the Overcoming Overspending membership. It's where we take this work deeper and apply the concepts and coaching from each week's episode into your own life. By being a member, you have exclusive access to my Overcoming Overspending process, 10 monthly live coaching calls with me, a private podcast, members-only community, monthly money topic and challenge, bonus courses, and so much more. There's nowhere else like it out there to level up your finances and life. Simply go to overcomingoverspending.com to join and you can enter in the code MLP30 at checkout to save $30 on your first month inside the membership. See you inside.